This week's episode of To The Top Talk is brought to you by CollegeSportsUnfiltered.com Talking Southern Miss athletics with some pretty knowledgeable Southern Miss fans. Great place to go, unvarnished, unfiltered. You won't have to sift through the propaganda. Southern Miss fans, check it out. CollegeSportsUnfiltered.com Hey, it's Frank Caliendo, and I'll be back in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Yes, Miss- I should have fixed this. Hattiesburg, Mississippi, uh, for the fourth annual Last for Life comedic event. Mississippi, of course, home of Morgan Freeman and Brett Favre. August 2nd, might have said that already, and we'll see you there. Hakuna Potato. You are listening to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington. Thank you, Jamesy. And Jason Bailey. Bump is uh, pretty good. But the reality is... They don't know, man! I've been looking forward to To The Top Talk. You know, I have that with myself every night. Every day, anything we do is Southern Miss to the top. What's going on? What's happening? How you guys doing? Welcome to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington and Jason Bailey. I am Jamie Arrington. Jason will be joining the show with an incredible interview this week momentarily. If this is your first time listening, we are here to give you a break from all of the High Resource 5 propaganda in the mainstream sports media to talk about the University of Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles. Now, graduation was last week. Special shout out to all the new graduates. If you have a degree from Southern Miss, big things are in your future. It was also announced last week that head softball coach here at Southern Miss, Wendy Hogue, would be stepping down. She has announced her resignation um, to spend more time with family. So kind of a surprise, but, you know, it takes up a lot of time being a head coach. New Athletic Director Jeremy McLean sent out an email stating that the search for a new head softball coach was going to begin right away. So I'm sure we'll have somebody lined up before the season gets started. All right, so Jason and Katie's anniversary this weekend uh, mine and Melissa's anniversary is coming up this week. I'm going to take a couple of days off. So we're not going to get as extensive into the show this week with all the ins and outs of what happened and, and what's coming up. But we've got a great interview for you lined up. Jason sat down with uh, one of the best Southern Miss baseball players ever. He, he, he wouldn't admit to that. But statistically, statistically right now, as of this recording, he is the home run king at Southern Miss. We'll see if it sticks for the next couple of weeks. I don't think it will because Matt Walner's on his way. But um, me and this guy, we were, we were on the same morning league baseball team probably 20-some-odd years ago. Uh, his dad, Rick, was my coach, as we've joked about on the show. How I ended up on that team, I have no idea. I was the probably the oldest one there. I think I just met the the age limit requirement, and I wanted to play with my brother, so, anyways, it was, it was a whole mess, but uh, Mark certainly uh, took the ball and ran with it, or knocked it out of the park, so to speak. So here he is. Here's our guest this week, Jason, visiting with Mark Maddox. Uh, welcome to the show today. Uh, on the line now, we have an Oak Grove graduate, graduated from Powerhouse Oak Grove High School, played at Southern Miss from 2003 to 2006. 
He's top 10 all-time in 10 different categories in USM baseball history. Yikes. Uh, including being the all-time home run leader. Selected in the ninth round by the Kansas City Royals in 2006. Uh, welcome to the show, Mark Maddox. What's up, buddy? What's up, Jason? How are you, sir? Man, doing fantastic. I honestly couldn't believe that we hadn't had you on yet. Um, and I was just talking about Jamie, because uh, we've had your dad on a few times. I think Todd's done a few uh, yeah. little, little, little bits. Um, and uh, I said, but have we not had Mark on? He said, no. It's like, oh, okay, well, um, so... <laughs> So my bad. Well, you got the most important Maddoxes on before me anyway. So that, oh, that's oh, that. that is that is so typical Martin Maddox, like the most unassuming <laughs> home run king of all time. Um, so look, man, you came here in 2003, um, but before that, like I mentioned in the open, played at Oak Grove High School, just a, a powerhouse high school, really known all across the Southeast and, and probably the nation. Um, so talk about uh, coming out of high school at Oak Grove and and what it was like playing playing there. Yeah, it was. Uh, we had some really good teams during those times at Oak Grove and um, got to compete in the playoffs every year and, you know, uh, wasn't fortunate enough to win any state titles, but um, we competed for two, uh, lost in both of them um, and got to South State in the other one. So we, uh, we had a lot of talent run through there and, and we had some good times. And then, um, you know, like you mentioned, it was, it was fun getting to go just across town and being able to play at Southern Miss. So um, it was where I always wanted to go and, um, and things couldn't have worked out better. So we definitely enjoyed that part of it. And I'm assuming that, that you probably had multiple offers, uh, coming out of high school. Um, and I know that the, the Maddoxes are, are, are hardcore Southern Miss fans, but was that it? Or, or, or why, why, why did you end up choosing Southern Miss? Yeah. Um, now to be honest with you, there, uh, there weren't that many offers, uh, at the division one level. The only, <laughs> real offer was at Southern Miss, um, had a few junior college, had a few schools say that they'd like to see me go JUCO first. And then, um, you know, we'd kind of touch back base after that, but, um, you know, it just, it was God's presence in there kind of lead me right to Southern Miss where there weren't any other choices really at the division one level. And, you know, fortunate enough, uh, coach Palmer, uh, and coach Barry and Burroughs and that crew, they, um, they reached out and, invited me to come play and it was one of the best decisions I ever made. Well, we're sure glad that, uh, all those other coaches, uh, could not see, could not see the light because uh, you came here and just had a storied <laughs> career. Um, so you get here in 2003, pretty much played, um, until you graduated. Um, obviously you took to the division one level fairly easily. Uh, that freshman year you hit 336, uh, with five home runs. So, so that's, is, is, um, was it as easy as I'm looking at on the stat sheet or, or was there a learning curve that you had to, uh, that you had to get across? Oh yeah, there was definitely a learning curve. Um, and, and you know, it was really, I was more or less fortunate, you know, I come in to Southern Miss as a second baseman from, from Oak Grove and, um, lo and behold is uh, freshman all American Jared Hoffpower who grew on to have a very good career at Southern Miss and thereafter as well, but he was ahead of me at second base. And so, um, the, the future wasn't looking so good for me as far as playing time goes. And, uh, fortunately I, um, we had the first baseman at the time, Griff Israel was coming off of all season shoulder surgery and, um, was kind of coming, coming back a little slow. And, um, you know, at the time, I guess through fall practice, coach Palmer had asked me, he's like, Hey, can you play, um, first base? And I was like, I'm a freshman and I see a freshman all American in front of me at second. So I was like, um, sure I can play. 
And so, um, yeah, I started going over there, taking some balls at inner squads and, you know, practice and all that kind of stuff and ended up coming into a spot to where I could play, you know, first base at times when there was like a left-handed pitcher because Griff hit right hand, uh, he hit left-handed. So, um, we platooned a little bit and there was a couple other, uh, first basemen in there as well. Jason Lowry played there and then the outfield and, I would also play some third base. So just trying to find that, that right spot, you know, took a little time. And I remember, uh, distinctively, we were at Louisiana Monroe. I was a freshman and, um, I was going in to play third base. I was getting a start at third and coach Burroughs was like, uh, he's like, yeah, Mark, he's like, you know, you can do it. You know, this is your game. This is your coming out party. I was all fired up and jacked up. But lo and behold, I struck out like three times that game, didn't sniff a ball. So <laughs> I went back to the bench for a little while. So it was definitely a learning curve during that time. And, um, you know, it was just fortunate that I was uh, able to get some some playing time and extended looks. Absolutely. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, there's this tradition in the roost right now where uh, the right fielder throws the ball um, to the roost and, and they throw it back to him at the, at the, uh, when they come back out at the next inning. Um, did that, did, did that start? I know you mentioned you played first base and you and some third base, but did you play right field at any point? Am I just imagining that? Did, didn't Todd start throwing the ball with you? Um, so Todd definitely threw the ball, but I did not play right field. I think I may have an inning or two in right field, but mm-hmm. I would play some left occasionally. Um, but that did start with Todd and, uh, I'm not exactly sure who the first right fielder was maybe Jody Blunt maybe somebody before him maybe it was Clint King something like that but um Todd had kind of approached he's like hey man trying to get the roost involved a little bit more and kind of doing some different things do you think it'd be okay if I threw the ball out I was like I don't see any problem with it so I'll just tell the right fielder you know don't worry about taking a ball or the center fielder don't worry about taking one the roost is going to throw it to you and they kind of looked at me all crazy and I was like look Y'all all know my brother. He's going to be out there. Just look for him. He's going to be yelling, and he's going to throw you the ball and then throw it back to him when you're done. Well, they did it, and I think they did it three or four games. And Coach Palmer, I don't even know if he knew or not. If he did know, he didn't act like he cared. So um, <laughs> it grew on to be a tradition that's still going on today, which is you know pretty fantastic that, that you get to interact with the fans that way. No doubt. Um, so you guys that go out to the games, just kind of pay attention to that if you've never looked at it before. But when the Sutter Miss right fielder runs out to right field, you'll see a ball come hurling in from the roost, and then it goes right back. And so it's a, it's a cool thing. I don't know if they do that anywhere else. But uh, you mentioned Todd, and everybody knows your dad, uh, Rick. Um, let me ask you this: since I mean you're the home run king, right, Sutter Miss legend, um, who's the more recognizable Maddox around town? <laughs> it's definitely Rick. Rick knows everybody, or everybody knows Rick. So um, he he definitely gets out and about, and um, you know it is especially when new families or or parents of the baseball like that's been one of his passions to where he he really wants the people to feel welcome. Um, he invites them all out to the roost, and you know they have this big breakfast and get together, and at inner squads he's at all of them, and then. Even in town, everybody knows he's heavily involved with Southern Miss athletics in one form or shape or fashion or whatever it is. But he um, he's definitely involved, so everybody uh, has probably heard of him. So I would say he's definitely the more famous one. So we all know you were good at baseball. 
Um, I know Todd was a good player, uh, and you have you, you obviously learned uh, learned a lot from him uh, growing yeah. up. Um, so so h- how good was your dad, Rick? Was your was your dad Rick a baller? He was good. He um, he actually uh, he was better at football than he was in baseball, from what I understand. Um, and I understand he was he was pretty quick. Um, he played running back at Hattiesburg High, and um, he uh, a lot of people would come up to me and tell me, you know, hey, your dad was he was really good at baseball, and um, but football was his thing. He he could move between the tackles pretty good, and uh, he was real shifty. So hear a lot of stories about that, and then of course Todd, you know, if you ask him, he um, he definitely helped me to become the baseball player that I am uh, or was <laughs> at that point. He taught me everything he knows, and um, he finished his career with a walk uh, with a grand slam in his last ever at bat. So he's always going to have that one hanging over my head. Oh my goodness! And now that you mentioned it on the air, <laughs> I would it wouldn't surprise me if you got a shirt made up for it. We'll see him out there in the roost yeah. the next game. <laughs> That's <laughs> yes, incredible. Uh, no, but you guys are great, man. You've always kind of welcomed me out there to that spot, and I always appreciated it. Um, but let's get back to the to, to your time at Southern Miss real quick. I'm looking at your sophomore year, and you know, a lot of times I do these interviews, and we can kind of break it down, and we can go uh, just year by year. Uh, you you did so much that uh, that I'm about to try to squeeze it in as quick as I can. So just your sophomore <laughs> year, you go 317, 11 doubles, 16 bombs, 60 RBIs. Junior year, 359, uh, 17 doubles, 14 homers, 59 RBIs. Looks like we can pencil you in for around that 14 to 16 mark and 60 RBIs. Uh, the second year also included, or, or the junior year also included, uh, 42 walks and 15 stolen bases. Then your senior year, 313, 18 home runs, 70 RBIs. Goodness gracious. And, um, and, uh, looks like another 15 stolen bases. I think I jotted down there. So, um, college, pretty easy, huh? <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> I tell you what goes unnoticed, and, and I'm not just saying this to say it, but, um, each one of those teams, we our lineups were very very good so it was one of those that and and i was as streaky as it comes so when times were good they were great but when they weren't guy i couldn't hit the uh, beach ball if you threw it up there <laughs> so um you know you kind of got to where other teams had to pick their poison and um fortunately you know we had the mindset of hey look if they're not going to throw it to you then they're going to have to pitch to the guy behind you or in you know, or the guy behind him. And, um, we, I would be interested to know the, the overall team stats from a batting, uh, hitting category over those time frame too, because it was definitely not just me. And, um, sure. So at different times, different guys would be hot and it was just, it was fun to watch. And, you know, hitting's contagious, you know, when guys are doing well and hitting well, things come in bunches. And so you just, um, as a quote from Todd, as he always says, it'd be a fight at the bat rack up there trying to just get up there and hit again and hit again and hit again. So, but it was good though, man. We had some good times and good teams. All right. So I've got to dive into these numbers just a little bit. Um, you, you may know all these records. I don't know if you do or not, but all right, 244 games played, first all-time. 895 at-bats, fifth all-time. 296 hits, fourth all-time. 228 runs, first all-time. 193 singles, sixth all-time. 514 total bases, first all-time. Base on balls, fifth all-time. And then the big one that we mentioned in the in the open, number one in home runs. You're sitting at 53 home runs right now. You look at the names on that list. Uh, huge names. Um, 
You're looking at Cook, Woolcut, Cooley, Davis, Haley, Volmuth, Logan, and really the list goes on and on. Um, and you can obviously add, you know, Walner to that list right now, but you're number one. Uh, I know that you're a very humble guy, but, um, I mean, the 53 home runs, I mentioned how Todd might be wearing a shirt earlier. If I was the 53 home run guy, the people at the bar would be bored to death of me talking <laughs> about it and probably wearing a hat like Ernie Banks style. Remember how Ernie wore the, uh, yeah. Mr. Yeah. Cub? Yeah. I'd wear a crown everywhere. <laughs> home run king. So I mean, fifty-three home runs, man. You're you're number one in a, in a in a place like Southern Miss, a storied baseball history. Um, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely proud of it. It's something that is that is a uh, a very cool record to hold. Um, you know, like you mentioned, there was a lot of good company in that uh, list that you just read off. Um, some of the guys played three years, or probably would have. Uh, broken it or hit more than 53 by the time they finished up their fourth year. But, um, yeah, you know, it, it comes through different times and different, different eras. You know, bats are different now. Balls are different now. You know, just the stadium's different. There's all kinds of different categories, but it's absolutely, um, you know, a, a cool record to hold and I'm proud of it. Um, you know, and look, I'm, I'm happy for Walner, you know, as, as he, We've gotten to know his family very well. As you've mentioned, you've been out there with the roost um, with us and his family's come out there, you know, quite a bit. And we got to know him. We know what kind of people they are. And, you know, the truth is, as as he swings it, you know, the team usually goes as well. And so we all cheer for Southern Miss and, um, you know, I'm pulling for him uh, to swing well and to hit it well. And it's just uh, but, yeah, it absolutely is something that's pretty cool and a good record to have. Did uh did you know you had that kind of pop coming out of high school? Yeah, no, not really. And so one thing that I don't know, I guess I've always uh kind of kept my head down and always wanted to work hard and and basically I you know, I've said this from time to time is my biggest thing is that I wanted to look up at the end of my playing days times whenever the course, you know, may be at the time when it was you know, 10 years later, 5 years later at that point. I just always wanted to look in the mirror and I wanted to say that I didn't have any regrets. And so I always pushed myself harder and harder along with the other guys on the team. Cause remember there was a lot of good guys on a lot of those teams. And so I just didn't want to have any regrets. Um, so if I didn't work hard in the weight room, if I didn't push myself on the field, if I didn't watch other guys get better and better, or what makes this guy so good, what does he do? How can I improve? You know, if I wasn't doing that, because, I mean, it's no secret, I'm not the most gifted in the uh, the physical categories. I'm not the tallest guy out there, not the strongest guy out there, not the fastest guy. But, um, you know, my goal was to just be as, be- you know, as good as I could be. And I didn't want to have any regrets. And so, uh, for me, that was just, that was the motivation and, you know, have fun while I did it. And, um, you know, and just never look back. Well, that kind of... First of all, that's fantastic advice for any youngsters out there listening right now. I mean, if you're not out there working, there's some kid that is, right? So, um, yeah. so if you, if you want to be the best, you really got to put in the effort and that starts young. Um, but you really kind of lead me right into my next thing here. We, we mentioned Walner, uh, being on that list. Uh, as of me typing out these notes, um, he has 49 home runs. I think that we're going to air this episode in, uh, after the weekend series at Rice. So, uh, he might be a little bit closer by then. Um, but, you know, and you, you also mentioned, uh, well, your stature. Um, and not that you're a small guy by any means. Um, 
but you're not a 6'5", 220-pound monster no. like Walner. So, so I mean, just kind of explain. And I've, I've got a little bit of a baseball background, but I always like to try to get into the minds of people that just do stuff exceptionally well. If you throw hard, I want to know what you're thinking. Um, if you hit the ball far, I want to know what you're thinking. Um, so is there any way that you can kind of explain your approach at the plate? Like when you're up there, how did you generate so much power at the plate? So I guess, I mean, I really don't know. I was able to engage in my lower half, um, a pretty good bit. And so, um, you know, I, to be totally candid, I probably had a little bit of a longer swing than I probably needed to, but in the sense it allowed a little bit more power to a degree, but, um, I was able to, to utilize my legs. They had always been, you know, my, my strongest, um, muscle group for me when, especially whenever I was hitting, but, I don't know. I was able to, to kind of play with the ball a little bit deeper and kind of fight through it. Um, I was actually joking around last um, weekend, you know, as Walter is going through his hot streak course, I'm getting a lot of jabs from a lot of different people like, Oh, he's going to break it and all that kind of stuff. But you know, one of the guys was saying, he's like, man, look, I've never seen, um, I would go the other way a lot, but a lot of that um, truthfully is, you know, for one, people would pitch me away a little bit too, but it would kind of just, hit balls the other way due to, you know, trying to stay behind it so much and, you know, let the ball get a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. And so my sweet spot, if I was hitting the ball, well, I was hitting the ball to right center. And so, um, trying to keep things simple and try to hit the ball to right center was, was when I was going well, I was doing that. So I would hit balls out to right and right center and even to center field. Um, when I would start pulling the ball, it was, if I was okay and things were on track, it was usually because it was an off-speed pitch and I was um, just catching it out in front. Um, so I did hit with some top spin to the pool side, but I, I was definitely, you know, searching the fastball. I was a fastball first kind of guy. I'd love to hit the fastball, but, um, you know, and I would try to hit early in the count and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, just from a power standpoint, I guess it was kind of creating that leverage hitting off that stiff front side and um, having that strength at the point of contact rather than too far out in front or too far back. But um, for me, I guess it all just kind of came together at that right time and utilizing all all the power that I had to, to, to put on a good swing. Cool. Um, lots of things that people can take from that. Um, so as far as just like what do you think the most important thing is? You mentioned the lower half. You mentioned a lot of things there. But if you had to just, just come down to like one thing and maybe a particular drill as far as being able to maximize that power for everybody that's listening out there that might be trying to get their kids better or if they're a youngster listening to it or whatever, is there any particular drill that you did in practice that you felt helped you the most? Um, so I, 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 I would continue to – I would hit off the tee a little bit early and then kind of go into front toss and front flips and things like that. But, um, I think what, and I actually heard Brian McCain, um, McCann, not McCain, <laughs> Brian McCann, uh, say this the other day when they were interviewing on the Braves game is if you can visualize yourself hitting the ball to the right side of second base, if you're right-handed or the left side of second base, if you're left-handed with some good backspin, and, you know, then that's probably a telltale sign that you're on it as good as you can be, you know, staying behind the ball, hitting it the other way. And if you don't, and you want to, the ball will be your, 
your eyes out there. So if it's backspinning, staying straight, you've made good contact. But if you're starting to cut it, then you're fighting it and everything. So uh, on the field work is just as important as, as the tee work because you want to stay inside the ball, use your lower half, and don't feel like you're, you know, you're over swinging to get there because then your swing ends up being harder and harder to repeat. And that's the thing. You want to have timing is the biggest issue. And the biggest key is, you know, once everything's in play, you have to be in good timing, um, good on time to be able to put a good swing on it and be able to repeat it. You definitely don't want to go up there having to think a lot and all that kind of stuff about mechanical stuff or you'll never get there. Uh, of course, all this stuff is easier said than done, but it's important to know that that's what the early work, that's what the cage work, that's what the BP work is all done. But um, I would highly encourage, you know, staying inside the ball, trying to drive stuff the other way, especially early in your rounds, um, to make sure your swing is on on target and on point. Sure. Um, what's your favorite place you ever played? Ever played? Who? You can go college. Um, you can go pro. Yeah. So I, I would. I have to say one of my favorite games, um, maybe not park wise, but just favorite games in general was that Oh three time when we won the conference USA tournament at Tulane's field. Um, hmm. for one, we were playing Tulane. Um, it was a close game. We won in the, you know, we took the lead late. Um, we ended up closing it out. They were the home team. We just found out during the game that we were hosting a regional, we won the regular season. We won the tournament. So as far as like a a game, that was one of the funnest. Um, playing at the Pete is a lot of fun. When Bo Griffin walked off against Ole Miss, um, that was a whole lot of fun. Um, you know, and then as you uh, – man, I'm trying to think of any, any special places uh, just in general. There was a lot of nice parks even after Southern that was fun to play at. Um, but Alex Box was a nice place. Ole Miss was fun to play at. Just the amount of people stayed, of course. Um, anybody that had those good big crowds, it was always fun. And LSU at the old Alex Box was one of the loudest places I've ever played, that's for sure. Well, my next question was going to be place that you hated to play. So I think <laughs> maybe maybe you might be insinuating that Alex Box might not have been yeah, the best place. So- Right. Um, we were winning. We were playing at that regional, and I think this was 04 um, at the time. And we were beating LSU in the winner's bracket game. And um, I was playing first base, and they got a hit in like the sixth inning, I believe, to it was like a two-run single or whatever. So I was playing first. I was going behind pitcher's mound to, to be the cutoff man for the base hit up to center. And that was the loudest I've ever heard a stadium that just erupted when that guy got that base hit and um, they went on to win the game. And of course, um, so that wasn't a fun place to play. And it wasn't fun to play at Tulane when you weren't winning because mm-hmm. um, they, uh, they definitely gave you a hard time. East Carolina was also a good place to play. Um, they kind of have a little bit of an outfield roost left field lounge type thing that um, they kind of heckle on the players a good bit. And so it's fun when you're winning, but when you're losing, you better have a uh, thick skin because they're going to, they're going to get into you a little bit. Absolutely. Um, so after college, uh, drafted by the Royals in the ninth round, uh, dream come true. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's what everybody plays for is an opportunity to play at the next level. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and with the Royals, um, went on to play in, in Idaho. I'm looking at the, the list here, Idaho Falls, Burlington, Wilmington, Northwest Arkansas, 
Omaha. Um, played in a lot of different places in the minors. Uh, talk about your time as a pro. Yeah, so it's the one thing is it's different baseball um, at the minor league level, and I think a lot of the guys that have had the opportunity to play after can attest to this. But um, you go from a from a great top tier college program, um, staying in nice places. Yes, you travel on buses from time to time, but they're in the express buses, nice buses, and um, you're playing this team game where it's all about winning and. You know, it doesn't really matter what you do. It does matter, but it doesn't as long as you get the win and, um, you know, everybody's having fun and you're playing with your best friends to an atmosphere of, hey, it doesn't really matter what the team does. If you win or lose, it doesn't matter. But if mm-hmm. you hit 350 or 300 and 10 or 12 home runs and y'all go 0 and 144, you're still probably going to go up to the next level the next year. And um, it's just a different mindset. You got different cultures. Um, you know, it is truly a business. It's a grind playing every day. Now saying all that, the ultimate goal and the prize at the end of that, that process is what keeps you going and keeps that motivation there. Um, because you do have an opportunity to potentially play at the, the big league level, um, that would indeed be a dream come true and, and all of that. So, um, you know, it's a weeding out process too. You know, some of the guys don't make it and the minor league seasons are that long. Um, you know, because once you get to the level of the big league level, they're heavily invested in you at that point and thereafter and they want to know what they have. So, um, awesome time, awesome process, made friends that I will always stay in touch with and have friends forever with them. But, um, it's definitely a different mindset. And now going back to the college game, watching all the, you know, a lot of the Southern Miss games, it's, you can tell that there is a, a, a different, a different base game of baseball being played. Um, but I much rather enjoy the college game. For sure. For sure. Um, so you're a dad these days. Uh, so you got at the Pete, um, with, with your children there. Do, do your cat, do your kids know how good dad was? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, at this point, I mean, there's, you know, they hear from time to time, you know, a couple guys will tell, you know, tell my oldest, he's only five. So like, Hey, your dad was a good ball player or whatever. And he knows that I played, I've got bats and helmets and balls and all kinds of stuff at the house. Um, so he knows I played, but, um, you know, and that's fine with me because I want him to be his own person too. And, um, you know, not have any pressures or not have, you know, any shoes that he has to live up to. If he loves baseball or if the younger one loves baseball, then great. I'll be there for him and I'll teach him everything I know, um, which the game would probably change by that point anyway. But um, <laughs> if they don't, then that's OK, too. Um, you know, it it would be, of course, be fun if they did. But we'll uh, we'll see how as they progress when they get older. Uh, Mother's Day coming up this weekend, and, and, and I know that your wife uh, is also a graduate of Southern Miss, was a cheerleader at Southern Miss. Congrats, buddy. Um, yeah, thank you, man. <laughs> you, have, you, have you got a Mother's Day gift for the yet? reminder on Mother's Day. No, yeah. <laughs> you, you got a present yet? I did know. I did know. I did What's that? I said you got a present yet? Yes, I do. I am. Uh, well, let's, Good answer. let's say it has been. Uh, taken care of at this point. It's not in my <laughs> physical hands at this point. Awesome. So look, man, um, about this year's team, and we'll get you out of here in a minute, but about, about this year's yeah. Golden Eagle team, um, you know, you go to most of the games. Um, 
two weeks to go in the regular season. What do you see happening the rest of the way? As, as of this recording, we have a one-game lead in conference. Uh, and what are their last? Our last two series are against Rice and UAB, I think. Um, yeah. How, how do you see the rest of this year going down? And maybe what are your thoughts on the year so far? Yeah, so um, I think it's had some ups and downs thus far. We, you know, at the beginning of the year, um, we had a little bit of an injury bug, seemed to get healthy um, through the middle part of the year. And then since then, I feel like we've kind of battled a little bit more of an injury bug with, you know, Hawk being down and Stevie kind of battling through and, you know, a couple other guys as well. Um, you know, got a big series against Rice. I, they they were playing pretty good, and then I think they got swept this past weekend, if I'm not mistake, uh, mistaking. But, you know, you always – you go to Rice. Um, they got a nice ballpark. Um you know, not a whole lot of fans come to play, uh, come to those games. And they are always got guys that, especially, I think they got a potential first rounder on their Friday night guy and they got another good arm coming back on the next day or even on Sunday. I'm not sure what day he throws, but a couple good players on the offensive side. So it's going to be a tough place to play. Um, you know, I think if we can get out of there and win the series, then we set ourselves up nicely, um, to come in and play UAB at home. Um, who seems to be a little bit down uh, this year than maybe in years past. But, you know, you definitely don't take anything for granted. So um, Eagles being up one game, um, not really sure who FAU has the last two game, two series of the year. Um, but if we win both series, I think we'll like our chances where we finish up at the end of the year. So what do you think we got to do to get in the tournament? Well, I'm hoping that um, – you know, if we don't win the tournament, the Conference USA tournament, that is, uh, if we don't win that tournament, that there potentially will be a two-bid team. But in order to do that, I think we're going to have to win, um, definitely win the next two series. And I'm pretty sure if we lose one to UAB, um, hopefully that won't hurt us too bad. But I'm not sure what their RPI is, but I don't think it's too good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, ultimately, if we take care of our, our business, then I think we'll be fine. Um, and, and win a couple games in our conference tournament. And I think we can still get in there, but, um, you know, certainly if we happen to lose a couple of the series, um, hopefully we won't have to have to win the tournament, but, um, you know, you don't want that type of pressure going into a tournament feeling like you got to win it to get in. Um, but I think we're talented enough that if that were the case, that we could absolutely do that. And I think we are the best team in conference USA. And, um, so hopefully we'll, we won't leave any doubt. Absolutely. Um, well, dude, man, so glad to talk to you today. Um, you're one of the best to ever put on the black and gold, man, on and off the field. Yeah. I mean that from the heart. Uh, thank you for the, taking the time so much. Um, you have any final words for the uh, Golden Eagle faithful out there? Yeah, well, I certainly appreciate you guys having me on. And um, thank you for finally getting me on. I know you've had your da- my dad and uh, Todd on there. So um, I've, I've enjoyed the time. and. Um, getting to chat with you a little bit today. All right, man. Well, Southern Miss. To the top. That was Mark Maddox. You can follow him on Twitter at Mark, that's M-A-R-C underscore Maddox, M-A-D-D-O-X. You can follow us on Twitter at To The Top Talk. You can follow me at Jamie underscore Arrington, Jason at Bumper J Bailey. We're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Got to give a shout out to our friends at collegesportsunfiltered.com. Go by and check out the site. 
Also, a shout out to the men of Sigma Chi, the Theta Delta chapter here at Southern Miss. Also got to give a shout out to Drew Wick, always slinging the graphics. He does a great job of that for us. A couple of comedy shows coming up. Hub City Comedy's ninth anniversary show is going to be at Brewski's in Hattiesburg on Friday, June the 7th at 8 p.m. Tickets are only $5. You get to come out and check out 14 of the best comics to, in and around the Hub City right now. Then our big annual comedy benefit show, Last for Life, 2019 is going to be taking place on Friday, August the 2nd. Our headliner is Frank Caliendo, the same Frank Caliendo from ESPN, Fox NFL Sunday, Mad TV, Frank TV. Brings all the impression, does a great job, and he's bringing special guest Keith Alberstadt. So get your tickets now. I think we're just about halfway sold out for that one. So um, I know we got a little over two months left to go, but you may want to jump on that if you want to come out to the show. Be sure you go vote for To The Top Talk for Best Local Podcast in this year's Best of the Pine Belt Awards. Voting going on right now at festivalsouth.org. If you want to support the show, if you want to advertise, if you want to just throw some love our way, check out our Patreon site, patreon.com slash to the top talk. Look for To The Top Talk on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Subscribe, give us a rating and a review. If you like the show, tell your friends. If you don't like the show, tell your friends. And as always, Southern Miss to the top. Talk.